Good morning. Eight minutes past the hour. This is Faith Radio. How are you doing when it comes to saving for retirement? Well, joining us is business consultant and the founder of BibleandBusiness.com, Bill English. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning. How are you? So a new study just came out on millennials and Gen Xers' views on retirement savings. Uh, Tell us who did the study and what they found. So I was turned on to this study through the Washington Post. They had an article called uh, titled, Will We Ever Be Able to Retire? Boomers and Gen Xers Are Worried. And they reference a study by the Addison Group. It's their third annual workplace study for HR professionals. And what the Addison Group found was a number of interesting things about retirement relative to millennials and Gen Xers. Uh, Number one, they found that they are mostly worried about retirement. They found that the that both groups are worried that they won't be able to retire at the time that they want to or retire at the um, lifestyle level that they desire to retire at. Now, some millennials want to retire at 30, so that's going to be difficult. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And some and and you know is but isn't this a common thread with every generation? Right. They want at least in the last fifty years, when the government started to build in this concept of retirement, people said, "Oh, I better save for retirement, and I've got a, I I I want to retire at a certain age, and I want to retire with a certain benefit." And and some people were able to do that, but the vast majority have not. So uh, they're worried. Uh, are they prepared? No, they're not prepared, and uh, they're, they they vacillate back and forth between should I go back and get another advanced degree, which would help me earn more money, or should I spend that money and maybe invest it, or should I start my own business, or should I just live at a lower standard of living, and I would be kind of an all-of-the-above guy if you really want to start saving for retirement, and if you generally want to retire at the lifestyle that you're at, uh, you're going to have to save up a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Now, the researchers describe a generational gap when it comes to beliefs about retirement. What do they mean by that? Well, the generational gaps is that the they they did talk to some boomers and some uh, you know people our age because you and I are both. I'm actually a cusper, but you're more. Are you a boomer? I'm I'm in the just a, just the tail end of the boomers. Yeah, right? me yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're not like uh, Dick, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who's definitely a boomer. Uh, sorry, Dick, I didn't mean to. Uh, anyways, I better get going here. You better. Uh, the boomers are feel better about retirement than do the Gen Xers and the millennials. But that would be that's to be expected, right? Because they're older. They're closer to it. Hopefully they've been saving. Yeah. Well, but they haven't I know. Been. That's that's true. A lot of boomers have not been. That's, what was yeah. the last thing I read on this is that the boomer, the average boomer has saved, I want to say, $27,000 no, towards retirement. Crazy. Well, but think think about the philosophy in the '60s, and the philosophy that they've had throughout life, which is kind of live for the now and live for the present. Mm. And so, uh, let's just spend what we have and and not really do a lot of saving. So it wouldn't surprise me if that stat's actually true, or at least close to being true. Mm. So the generational gap they're talking about the 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 uh, who's not worried. <laughs> Well, see, that's the thing. Everybody's worried at one level or another, which leads me to question the whole concept of retirement. Now, yeah, on this show, uh, I've, I've said repeatedly that retirement is an American concept, not a biblical concept. Right. And, and work uh, is a gift from God, right? Uh, he gave Adam work before there was sin, so work is not a result of the fall. It's it's part of righteous living. But the fall's kind of messed it up in some ways. Well, certainly. it made it yeah. more painful, right? right, right. I, mean, I mean, God introduced pain and sweat and effort into work and, and lack of 
of fruit right. uh, from our from our labor. I I just I, we should be saving towards the times when we slow down, and because of our elongated lives due to excellent medical care that we have here in the United States. Uh, that's going to be even uh, more stretched out. But I would say that uh, we should never plan to stop working. Mm. Now, when you're looking at when folks retire or their views about uh, retirement and, let's say, changing jobs, uh, what role does salary play in, in keeping an employee at a particular job? You know, it was interesting. This study found that the number one reason for leaving the last job was not making enough money. Hmm. Okay, but closely followed by... Um, not enjoying the work that they were doing, and then problems with management. Problems with management? Yeah, people... Mr. CEO. I know. Well, I tell my staff, people always leave a manager before they leave a company. True, yeah. And so, but on the flip side, the great work-life balance they write here, 43% uh, had good work-life balance. Uh, Strong benefits were 42%, number two, and number three, influence on why they stayed with the job. Um... Well, actually, if we're, if we're, uh, were the uh, a decent salary, but they weren't overpaid. So what the studies have shown is that if you're paid at market rates, that doesn't necessarily lead to job satisfaction. But if you're underpaid, that does lead to job dissatisfaction. And that will help you propel you on to something else, which, frankly, ministries need to think about. Because uh, I've seen way too many ministries take advantage of their ministers and the people who believe in the cause and really um, almost abuse them in terms of payroll uh, when uh, when they know they can get away with it. Well, and one of the excuses, well, we're a, we're a ministry. We're, we're a ministry. Non-profit, we're non-profit. So you're we're doing, doing the Lord's the work. work. So, yeah, you, you, if you're, you're surviving on macaroni and cheese. Uh, you're doing it for the Lord. <laughs> Yeah, but the worker is worth his hire too. Yeah, right. If you got the skills and experience and training, and and you're a good and you're a good worker. Yeah, you should be paid as you said at market rate, and uh, right. especially if the ministry is doing well, right? Right. So, and there are some ministries who are doing very well, uh, as evidenced by the fact that the ministry leaders can build eight, ten, twelve thousand square foot homes. <laughs> now we're not going to talk about anybody in Houston about that. You know, we're just not going to bring that up. No. Okay, Bill. Okay. So. Uh, but believe, staying with a job, it, it's really about work-life balance, and it's about good benefits, the things that people can't buy that are hard to buy in the marketplace today, especially with health care the way it is. And it's all delivered through your employer system rather than being able to buy health insurance like you buy life insurance or car insurance. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're kind of stuck or you're tied to a good employer in that way. Mm, it'll be interesting to see how that, if that changes uh, with uh, Donald Trump taking office and with uh, some of the f- people that he's putting in place. Well, you know, I tell you what, I, I posted this on my Facebook account. I, I remember back in 2013, I'm going back here a ways, when Obama stood up at, at some conference in the White House or some event, and he basically really um, uh, mocked the Republicans. And he said, look, if you want a different health care law, if you want a different policy, then win an election. Mm. You know, win an election. Go out there, make an argument, and win the election. And, of course, he was arrogant. He had just won his second election, and he thought everything should be his way. Well, guess what? The Republicans won an election, and they made an argument. And now they get to have their say in the health care law. And, yeah, I'm all in favor of Trump changing Obamacare because it is a job killer. It is a cost driver, and it has put 
tens of millions of people out of reach of health insurance. I think a lot of people don't realize that and realize what employers are, are spending on health care. And having Tom Price in that uh, role, Congressman Tom Price is a physician uh, who actually, uh, by the way, we, we were talking to uh, David Stevens from the Christian Medical Association. He said Tom Price and a group of other doctors went to the Obama administration when they were first putting together the idea of Obamacare with an alternative plan. And then the White House never called them back. Well, of course so. not, because it didn't fit with the narrative and the plan that the president wanted. Exactly. The president was always interested in plans that, that enhanced or furthered his agenda, but he never took seriously anybody else's ideas. Uh, well, now uh, the country is going to have to take seriously uh, President-elect Trump's ideas. I'm happy for that. Uh, while there are 20 million people who have uh, received health insurance uh, through uh, the Affordable Care Act, there are at least that many who have been kicked off of their insurance and have been told that they couldn't keep their doctor anymore. And uh, But those people are tend to be small business owners or self-employed people. And, and uh, you know, for, for, for whatever reason, the country doesn't value that group the same that they value the other groups that are on the Affordable Care Act. Mm. We will see what happens in the coming months. Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com, our guest. It's 17 past the hour, and this is Faith Radio. Good morning. It's 19 past the hour. This is the Faith Radio Network. It's Bill Meyer with Bill English, business consultant and the founder of BibleandBusiness.com. We're talking about retirement Staying on the job, why people stay, why they leave. Um, the jobs report came out last Friday, and hey, great news! One hundred and seventy-eight thousand new jobs created. Unemployment falls to four point six percent. Bill English sees those numbers and he shakes his head, saying, "It's all a scam." It's not a scam, but it's only partial truth, right? Uh, yeah, we did the the economy did create one hundred seventy-eight thousand new jobs last month, and the unemployment, the U three. For those of you who follow this stuff, it's the U three number that's the official unemployment. Rate. Rate fell to from 4.9 to 4.6 percent, and the cheers go up, and the clouds part, and the angels sing, and everybody's happy, right? <laughs> but there's a whole lot of people who've given up looking for work. That we lost 200,000 workers in the workforce in the same month, mm. so the workforce actually constricted by 22,000 people. Wow. Uh, in addition, the way that they count jobs, these are both part-time and full-time jobs. Now, I don't remember where I read this statistic. I couldn't find it, so I'm going to reserve the right to be wrong on this one. But I remember reading somewhere that in this jobs report, out of the 178,000, 119,000 of them were part-time jobs. Well, we talked about this before the break. Obamacare has really contributed to that because it has, employers, immensely. they're going to hire a part-time worker who doesn't have to get health insurance coverage. Right. So that individual does not get the benefits. Uh, they're only part-time, so they're, they're not a full-time employee. They don't have any of those you know goodies that go along with that. Um, and more and more people are in that boat right now. There's all there's millions of people in that boat. When you look, when you look down, when you dig down deep into the jobs report, what you will find, let me find it here, is that there are 5.7 million Americans out of the roughly 150 million who are available for work, who are what they call involuntary part-time workers. What that means is they would like full-time work. They can't find full-time work or the where they are working won't give them full-time work either for cost reasons or for health insurance reasons. It's uh, it's stunning when you you know hear these glowing reports coming out of the – and the media, of course, jumps on it. 
and yet um, talk about the labor participation rate, because that's something I think a lot of Americans are not aware of. But it's very significant to know the number of able-bodied workers who are actually not currently employed or, you know, tried. They were on employment. They looking for work. They couldn't find it and they've given up. So we so we measure labor participation in two ways, as always. Uh, they, the, the labor force participation rate says, here's the pool of people who could be working. How many are actually working? And right now, uh, that, that dropped by a tenth of a percent down to, I believe, six, was it 62.7? Yeah, 62.7. It dropped by a tenth of a percent, which means that roughly 200,000 people left uh, the workforce uh, last month. Uh, that what that means is that for every ten people who are between the ages of sixteen and I want to say eighty, maybe seventy-five, uh, three point eight of them are not working, and six point two of them are working. I was thinking it was even younger. The cap, the the, the, the cap. Yeah. I'd have to go back and look. When I look have, at able-bodied workers, but yeah, you good. know, I on my Bible and business, I do a Friday five, and I and I mentioned some numbers that I had uh, posted on my website on my last Friday five. If anybody wants to go look it up, you but can basically, find the folks that there. could work, they're they're not you know disabled, they're not handicapped, <clears throat> they they could be out working, but they're not. They mm. could be out now. Look, some of them are not. Well, there's about twenty one million who are not working. Working for non-economic reasons, they're stay-at-home moms. They're in school, uh, or they are uh, have left the workforce to take care of an elderly parent, or something like that. Uh, I'm not begrudging those people that freedom. It's just that what we need to realize is that really only about 62 percent of us who are working are supporting the rest of the country with our taxes. And so, when you lose 200,000 jobs, you lose a significant tax base uh, that helps to support the rest of the economy. Uh, but when you dive when you dive down into these job numbers, the parts that, that bother me um, is not the fact that the unemployment rate falls from four point nine to four point six. If you look at the U six number, we're actually at nine point three percent unemployment. That's the number I look at. That includes all the people who are unemployed, plus all the people who have left the job market. But if they were given work, they would take it. They've They're, given up because they haven't they've been given able to find up. work. In, right? other, in other words, they've been out of work for over 27 weeks. They've given up. And that, that U6 number, which really should be the uh, the official unemployment number, is at 9.3%. Just about one out of 10 Americans. Yeah. 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 Who, who can work? But here's – it gets even worse for some groups. Uh, if you dive into the numbers, adult men, uh, the 4.3% unemployment, adult women, 42 But look at this. Teenagers, 152 Sure. And if you go down into uh, black youth, it's 26.6% unemployment Mm -hmm. for black youth. Wow. Now, why are teenagers so much higher unemployed than other people? I think it's because of the minimum wage laws. If I have to pay $15 an hour to somebody, and that's the minimum wage I have to pay, then I'm going to hire one person at 15 rather than two people at eight. Mm -hmm. Right? So one person gets a job and the other one's unemployed. Tough road for uh, for many teens who want to be, get a job and uh, and they just can't do it. I think back to when I was a kid, it was a very different situation, and I was blessed to have a job at 16. And the reason this is important is because work is a gift from God, and when people are unemployed and want to work, it's damaging to their dignity and to their personhood. We need to help them find work and purpose and meaning in life. Amen. So well said. Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Check out some of his great articles. Today, BibleAndBusiness.com. We'll take a quick break here at Faith Radio. We've got Breakpoint coming up. 